This is the Cathode Ray Podcast with Steve and Lewis. Basically, yeah, I think we should just roll just right roll into this episode. What about poor John? I mean, I thought that was great. Um, some awesome topics we got into with him, but then we were laughing because his video footage maybe that's just it's just the luck of the draw i could hear when we were talking to him i heard little skips and i was like i bet that me too something wrong and (laughs) yeah and then and and the fear because right but this shows that i should have said something because i could hear that maybe something was up thinking is that now what i didn't know is because john has you know pretty powerful cpu and gpu he could have just clicked record and locally recorded that like in his obs as part of his standard setup but it's, it's on me. Probably I didn't so, think yeah. to ask. I should have asked about that. So, uh, look, we all learned <laughs> a lesson that day, and it's okay. And we look, we so the audio sounded okay, and it was great. Everyone's very enthusiastic. I think it's the only podcast we've done with 100% likes. 100% oh, really? Likes, <laughs> no one, no one, no dislikes, one dislikes it. Likes it. It's the oh, best video, funny. of course. It's most popular to have John on there. Yeah, I think that <laughs> makes sense. I was going to say that. That's and and yeah, big shout out to John for coming on. It's amazing to talk to him. And like I said, it felt like we were rolling through some good topics or mm. topics, and things were paced well. Do you think though, Steve? And, uh, if I reflect back on that that podcast with uh, with John, that our dynamic when we're doing this is very good and we're very similar and blah blah blah. But do you think in that we were both maybe just a little bit too like we backed off a little bit? Like we want to use John. He's he's a great guy. He's a very knowledgeable guy, and we want to let him talk. And I suspect that maybe just both of us like backed off just a bit too much. And there was a bit of like moments in the middle where John was like, "Oh shit, do I keep talking? Do I, you know?" Yeah, we're well, like, "No, tell us more yeah. wisdom." Uh, well, that's that's a hard. Yeah. I understand what you're saying because I was I was contemplating this too, and I started. When you start doing all these podcasts and you bring in other people on, I thought, you know, hey, well, here's a chance. I thought, you know, people come turn in, tune in normally can hear us John, banter yeah. about things a lot. And I thought, well, if we have somebody like John on, it's going to be better for us to, like, let him talk as much as he's willing to and kind of, like, let him say everything. I didn't want him to feel uncomfortable like we were ever mm. stepping on his toes, kind of, like, cutting off a sentence. So definitely I felt – I know I was purposefully, intentionally more reserved than – when you or I together and sometimes I listen to the playback and I'm like, God, was it just such a jerk jumping all over everything <laughs> <laughs> Lewis said in that episode. So I maybe need to tune it down, but I think it's okay. I think I, there was I, one moment. The one moment that stood out to me was, I think it was later in the episode and we were letting him talk. And then you could see John had come to that. And our skill as podcast host is to know that perfect moment when he's had just enough. And then we could say, Oh, what of that? But then John was like, Oh, should I also talk about that other topic we agreed I was going to talk about? (laughs) Oh, yeah. We got to jump in. Yes, yes, yes. We are also here, too. So we're learning. We're learning how to do it with a third person and have great guests. And thankfully, John's a pro, you know, so he rolls right through everything. So that was good fun. He was great. And uh, it was was a lot of fun to have him on. And, uh, you know, he told me he had a great time. So I feel like uh, like it's a good – you know, cool little niche thing that we have going here. I'm glad I knew it would do um, really well as far as like our numbers on YouTube and stuff, really no matter the video quality, because that's not really the important thing on there. But it is nice to have a visual for people to, you know, have that option. But um, I was more happy that the audio was complete and like all 
he thinks he said would come out complete rather than having skips in it. That's the thing you're always most worried about. I yeah, think. and actually, when we come to... Uh, I'm going to give it some time because we've got some clips. There's great clips in there. How to film a CRT, uh, a few of his other things. But because we only sort of did three topics, I'll give it a bit of breathing space before I put those other clips up. There's, they're very perennial. Um, but the clips, I can do it full quality because most they're mostly just John talking. I can resync like an individual clip okay so those will come out well in the end because of that i think those will be great i think that like the that's kind of the way i was feeling with the show um how we were bouncing and kind of getting thorough on each topic but i felt like we were able to segment each topic so that we didn't have to worry about bouncing back and forth and like you know each one of them was segmented well and then we were able to move on to the next one so hopefully there will be some clips that um, like I said, the very because the filming a CRT one is um, going to be that's that should be the hugest clip probably sure. of the whole thing eventually. And that's at the end of the episode, pretty much. It's like the last serious topic I think we talked about. And speaking of the way that we put together episodes. So yesterday I filmed a podcast with a dude named Conrad Blackman and uh, sorry, Blackman. Jesus, before I, Blankman. I just talked to this guy. Beckman. Sorry. <laughs> Beckman. Beckman. <laughs> uh, Shek de Man, okay? That's sorry yeah. in Swedish. Uh, <laughs> I am sorry, Conrad. So Conrad is a Swedish dude. He's a hardware hacker, and he's been well-known okay. for two projects. that he Last summer, he put out a project where he turned the Raspberry Pi Pico into an N64 flash card. And so with minimal mm -hmm. PCB, uh, basically just a PCB to slot it in, and then you solders on the, the Pico, and the Pico, I keep saying Pico, the Pico is uh, running the flash cart, and it's a pretty rudimentary flash cart, but it works, and it's got a bill of materials of like five bucks or something, uh, something <laughs> stupid like that. Oh. <laughs> and he's also an ongoing project he's had is to do his own version of N64 digital video, and again, he's using the Pi Pico to, to drive that. And um, so his, his kind of whole philosophy is he wants to uh, make these projects as cheap as possible. Of course, we've already got Cricks. Of course, we've already got N64 digital high quality solutions uh, meant for the mainstream, but they can get pretty pricey by the time you factor in a professional installation and all of that. And Conrad's got the first version of his cart, which might be five, I mean, plus the Pico, maybe five bucks uh, to, to make. The more advanced version, they'll have an SD card. It's going to have Wi-Fi. That's coming, but later. But that, his his goal is to make them as cheap as possible, just because that's his jazz, right? That's his thing to to learn how to hack it. So he's not only he's got the for the digital mod, uh, he basically connects to the same points on the board that other N64 digital mods do. There's nothing too revolutionary about that part, but the wires go straight into a Pi Pico, and there's a HDMI mod for that, so you can stick the HDMI. So it actually runs out of a real HDMI port, connected to the Pico, and he gets video. And his, it seems like his projects are really important base projects, fundamental projects that others are using to expand on. Yeah, so does he um did did he talk any about how he is this does he do his work mostly open source or is it So they're all on GitHub yes. so you can get the uh, okay. right now you can order the the 
Pico Kart 64 Lite. The early version that just uses the Pico. Mm -hmm. There's no fine point soldering. It's just putting a Pico on, which is pretty easy through hole soldering. Um, it's only, I want to say off the top of my head, 16 megs of flash. So you can't fit every N64 game and you've got to reflash it kind of manually. So this is the point. Okay. It's five bucks. It's a bit of manual work. It's excellent for uh, <laughs> homebrewers, if you're homebrewing. So the N64, I would say, if you sort of take a um, an audit of how popular and how much homebrew there is on each platform, like there's not as much on the N64. And I think Conrad hopes that having such these, these test devices, even though you could do it with a EverDrive as well, will help to uh, make those advances um, yeah, because then someone else made a different version using a, a different motherboard chip, but that chip is thirty bucks. So these are sort of like that's okay. the next phase up. These are the steps and gradients that these hardware hackers are using, and there is a lot of benefit to having one that's just dirt cheap, the cheapest, 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 because someone else is going to find a use for that GitHub repo. And he was commenting that the the code that takes the uh, I think it yeah, takes the RGB and converts it to DVI and sends it out over the HDMI. That's another open source project. That and, and Conrad's like, look, I have no idea how that shit works. It's an open source project. It's amazing. <laughs> you drop it into your Pico, and all of a sudden you've got DVI video coming out. It's got this amazing code. It's got assembly language in there. I don't know how it works, but this project's great. So. It's definitely one of those fundamental building blocks. And Conrad's a nice guy. He's a Swedish guy. Uh, works as an embedded hardware firm guy, where guy during the day. So this is his jam. And it was just nice to chat. Nice to, to find out about his projects, where he's coming from. And I also asked him a little bit, because one of the things that, uh, when it comes to open source, it's also one part of it is managing the people who work with you and managing users and expectations. Now, we know that our community is famous for going, oh my God, that's amazing. Oh, I need that thing. When is that thing coming? I want the new version. Very, uh, you know, we're very enthusiastic. And you hear something about the cheap flash cart and it's very easy to get excited. And when uh, Conrad dropped that information about last summer, um, there was some thoughts. Oh, yeah, I'm chatting with me and Bob and I know I think we were chatting about it as well. Like, this is all very good. Conrad's done a great job. And there's all this excitement, but it's still very early stages. And you know, can he go on with this? And will this continue to keep this steam going and not just be a big rah, 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 and then done? So all credit to Conrad is he has managed that process very well. He now has a track record. So next time, like when, uh, I don't know, if Voltar comes out and says, hey, I got this new thing planned. Well, you're pretty sure it's going to come out, right? And so when someone has a track <laughs> record, we're more willing to be invested in their early stage stuff because we know, hey, this person knows how to implement. They're not just pie in the sky, flash in the pan sort of stuff. Uh, and he said he the way he dealt with those new people coming on board, uh, the new contributors to the project uh, by being open source. He said he had some like life stuff. He had to move the house in the last six months, hasn't had a lot of time for it. And the project still goes on and people are still doing it. So... Uh, you know, a good lesson there as well in that podcast about dealing with the people, that human management side of, of open source. As I think sometimes we forget about that tricky little bit. Yeah, it always sounds it always sounds so nice on the surface and uh, like, you know, great in the long run. But then you kind of forget a lot of things that happen with the open source mm -hmm. system and how um, how it is. 
it can be a double-edged sword because I can imagine anything that someone has put an entire um, um, a passion project that's cost them not just money but countless hours of time that they'll never be fully uh, compensated for in a monetary way. Really, they're they're doing it because they want to see something happen. Because you know, when you see this, the first thing you think of is, oh my goodness, when is Amazon going to be flooded <laughs> with cheap Chinese manufactured mm. clone cartridges, base or whatever, you know, the ROM cartridge based off this design, because it is so cost effective, mm. right? You're going to see the market flooded with that kind of thing, most likely, and uh, they're not going to care to give <laughs> Conrad anything, I'm sure. And a lot of times they'll even, you know, we've seen in the past where many things will happen with uh, violations of the license or the intention. So um, that's always fun. It's also fun to see how people work together mm. over a period of time. And again, others who are willing to, um, you know, be part of a project like that. That's yeah, really cool. Yeah, I mean, and I really do think this comes back to the leader. It comes back to that person who started. What's the vibe that they're setting? What's the direction? Are they open? These these soft skills, and it doesn't seem like a lot, you know, just that he's a cool dude and he made a Discord and he invited everybody in. That alone is major, you know, that ability to, you know, get people in and... and um how to say uh describe his vision even if his vision is i want to make the cheapest thing possible simplest thing possible that is my goal great we understand your vision we're happy to work on that project we all just want to do the simplest cheapest thing possible because just as we use the dvi project someone else is going to use the pico project for something else and build upon that and the next thing and the next thing this is just an incredible time kind of for how the N64 has jumped from when I started in this <laughs> hobby a half a decade ago where there weren't really too many. I mean, it was very, it was kind of a trick and, and, and you had to know the right people almost to be able to properly get a digital signal out of your, uh, you know, your N64 and then get it up to like HDMI required some crazy, you know, knowledge or you were, preying on this on being at the top of this wait list for this ultra hdmi modification and uh that's that was like the only option that was really super clean for a long time was that one mod mm -hmm. kit and it was even when parts were easy to get that was still one of the most difficult things to get was that eight ultra hdmi kit i mean i remember being on a pre-order list for almost, I think, a year where I had paid for it in full and just you waited got it for now? it to ship. Yeah. Oh, I got it, and then I modded the system. I had it for a little while, and then I didn't play it enough, and the things got so crazy expensive that I just sold it on eBay. <laughs> nice. uh, like, to flip it. It worked, and I was like, I just don't mm. need it. <laughs> it's good. That's that's smart. Actually, that the, yeah. the, the installation is one of the topics we talked about with Conrad. Because, as I said, he basically taps the same points that every... It's no, there's no ma magic to the way he's getting the, the base signal out of the console, right? And he was saying that... Uh, or he can solder onto the points, but a flex cable makes it easier. Like something that the N64 Digital has, these other more... Um, I hesitate to use the term, but more professional solutions are having maybe a flex cable and so forth. And we mused on the idea 
that maybe what's needed is someone to produce a standard flex cable that is basically just exposing those points in a more accessible fashion so that projects like Pico or anyone else... So a hard part is getting onto the points, really, really small points on the N64, as you would have found out if you, you put it in, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's not, too, you know, I, I was surprised I was able to do it back mm. then because it was, I remember at the time being very, very worried about it because it's, again, it was a pretty intense mod. Um, I think that back in the day doing that one and then even the, I did both the regular Nintendo, um, North American Nintendo mods, where I did the HDMI and the RGB mod on those. And both of those, you have to pull the chip. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's uh, that can be tricky if you don't have really good equipment. And I was, I was, again, surprised I was able to pull that off without even FR301, I think. And uh, I don't even know. I would be scared to death to try that <laughs> again like that way. I was like, what, what was I thinking? But I think something um, like this regular flex cable that can help yeah. that is just sort of got generic points that then maybe a pico pico fits on or something like that it's easy to, to solder onto this can help a lot you mean one that was like kind of populated for every pin and then you could use it for whatever custom end you needed kind of at right, the other because end. all these mods even if you're not yeah, using all these it, mods are basically the tapping the same points like it's not they're not yeah. grabbing it from different okay. places on the circuit board. Where they pull it from is the same. Now what they do with it and what they connect it to later, that's different, different quite drastically. So this is my theorizing here. I'll go into theory time. That if there was a, a generalized flex cable that exposed the points that then hackers like Conrad could just easily connect onto, what you might end up with is an easier way towards the simple HDMI mod. Because if I take, we take a step back as to where HDMI mods are going with our community, it seems that they are going towards the HDMI is quite simple and the scaling is done externally. We're getting Tink 4Ks, that that will be one unit to do all of your scaling. And so now all we need out of the back of the N64 is 240p HDMI or maybe 480p HDMI. We don't need scaling. We don't need all the options. We don't need all the output modes. And so maybe oh, we're yeah, getting yeah, to yeah. the point we want simpler HDMI mods because all of the really complex stuff is going to be in the Tink 4K now, and I don't need to replicate that internally. Yeah, and like you said, doing we all know that doing that uh over and over again um is it's not it's not as useful it can add lag and and artifacting and things like that if you're taking and either scaling or um post-processing something coming out of the console and then putting it into another device intended to do that hmm. from mike cheese perspective i can imagine it's only easier if everything comes out of something in a raw yeah, absolutely. form absolutely and then you can have the most control coming out of that one device. And let the expert Mike Cheese scale Makes it. Sense. He's the man, right? Right. Yeah, let, with his firmware. He's the best, as the best in the business. So let, let the best <laughs> in the business do the scaling while the hardware hackers like Conrad get in there, get down and dirty. Just give me a HDMI with, I don't know, 480, 480p coming out of it. That's And then super plug accessible. it into your Mike Cheese box and you're good to cheap, go. Cheap, like you said. And... Uh, 
That would be good. I mean, that's all good mm, stuff. So, yeah. So that's what I was talking about. That. What about. Let's go for you for a little bit, Steve. Now you had a little trip. Yeah. Well, yeah. right. Yeah. Down so it's in, in America, in America here, it's starting to become mm. spring. Like spring break is upon us. So uh, my wife did not. She started a new job this year, so she didn't have a lot of time accrued to take off yet for a trip. But her family owns a uh, a condo down in Florida and it's on some water i mean it's in a building with other units so it's not a huge building but it is four stories with like uh eight units on each floor okay and and only garages on the bottom floor they don't cuz you know flood stuff oh, in yeah, case that okay, happens yeah, yeah. so it's just three floors of units with a garage floor and Real fun, nice little place. Uh, we usually go down there. It was easier to go down there from other places, but um, this time we were taking the trip here from Virginia to to Florida, South Florida, St. Petersburg, if you want to look it up, is the area, and it's just right outside there. And, um, I mean, this trip is a 900-mile-plus trip <laughs> one to drive, right? And uh, so it's pretty epic. Oh, that's uh, 1,500 kilometers for us, <laughs> us yeah. metric side people. 1,500 Ks is what you just did. All right. So, right. Uh, me, my wife, and my two kids, and uh, my, my dog, one of them, uh, Brutus, he's, he couldn't do that anymore, so okay. he... Uh, and he can't go to Florida because they only let you have little dogs there. So he had to go. I had to take him to a place, which was a nice family that they watched for him or they watched him for me. And uh, so he was fine, but we had to take the little dog with us. So, yeah, all f and the two kids in the car and a 900 mile trip. Now, since we didn't leave the normal spring break time, my wife only had a couple days to take off. We left on the Tuesday. So. After the weekend, Monday, and then we left that Tuesday. And then we drove back Sunday. And that's, a, you know, three, think about 3,000 kilometers to drive in roughly that short micro yeah. week. Uh, I, I mean, just to, before I get too crazy into stuff that, like, occurs on these trips, what, I mean, how long is, is too far for you? Like, if you go on a road trip, what, what, what do you think? Is there like something that, you know, somebody says, hey, we'll go on this road trip and you need to do it. Is there is there anything where it's like, no, 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 that would be too far, you think? Or is it just like, no, I, I don't mind. We'll take the trip and see how it it's goes. A, we're in a unique situation geographically here in Estonia. We're way up on a peninsula kind of bit almost. And there's really only two directions you can go. One is south to Latvia. Uh, the other one is east to Russia. And one of those two we ain't going to. Not for a while. So we've only got one. Okay, yes, I can go up to Finland or I got to take a boat over to Finland or about that. So if I stay, if I don't take a boat somewhere, three hours and I'm at the other side of this country. I'm in a new country three hours later. Probably four <laughs> hours past that. I'm in another country again. Uh, so to sort of, and, and then the thing is, well, I could drive eight to nine hours and un end up in Vilnius and respect to my Lithuanian friends, but fuck Vilnius. All right. I ain't driving eight hours to get there. <laughs> so I drive a long way to get 
I don't really know where I'd want to drive. Maybe Amsterdam, so I can bring back some stuff in the trunk of the car or something. There's not really anything. I mean, flights are a lot these days, so I was just looking, maybe I should drive, but it's sort of a good 15 hours by the time I would get to Amsterdam, or more, 20 hours by the time I get to Amsterdam. So, uh, no, we'd probably just fly somewhere, maybe around (laughs) Europe. But definitely my tolerance for driving has been lowered. In Australia, I drive eight hours without thinking about it. Sure, that's just the holiday. Yeah, we just drive eight hours to get there. It's not a thing. Where here, I'm like, oh, an hour and a half. I don't want to fucking move. <laughs> Perspective. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's a great point. That's kind of what I wanted to see about because it it's hard to imagine going, you know, like I said, 3,000 kilometers. I guess you could go all over Europe, yeah. probably all over the place and see all kinds of stuff. But yeah, here in America, you know, you can easily jump in your car and just say, I'm just going to drive to the other side of it. And it would take you, uh, you know, I, I mean, two, three d- days of just straight driving, you know, to get there. And so it it, uh, it, it definitely leads to some adventures. I, I mean, growing up, I always made these kind of trips. Um, like where I live now is not anywhere close to an airport. Like I have to travel over two hours usually to get to the closest Ooh, airport. Okay. So that's a big consideration for me where I just don't normally fly anywhere unless I'm going across mm-hmm. the country because getting to the airport is like I have to yeah. either drive myself to the airport and park and leave it in long-term parking. Or if if I were to make somebody drive me and back, that's – eight hours of driving for the airport to the airport that that person has to do to take me, drop me off and then come get me later. And I was just like, that's insane. So you go to Florida. Here's the next thing though. Factor in this. Is it mostly interstate? Like how, how nice? Yes. It's well, there's it's, it's primarily interstate, but usually when you get into Florida, depending on where you're going, like this time we did have to go on a highway that was off the interstate Mm. Uh, but and that's more like one lane to two lane roads and like you slow down through small towns like one was called Waldo and it's like Citra and it's just nothing of like, you yeah, know, okay. like one little. That's a big difference. We don't have states linking like if I'm trying to get to Poland or go south and then around, I don't get a good road till maybe middle of Poland Germany, once you hit the Germany, then it's the outer bomb. Bam. You go as fast as you want on that bad boy. But I got to go a long way before I get an interstate level road, which is another factor. Yeah. Well, that's the good thing. So where I do live is like a, I mean, literally the interstate exit is right here, uh, like two streets over from me. So uh, right off the highway I live. So I can jump on there. And through the interstate system in the United States, yes, you can get anywhere and relatively good time. There's a lots of, you know, depending on the state, there's a lot of construction. There's a lot of cities you try to avoid because you're going to get stuck in extra traffic. And um, you're trying, you know, to save some time. I mean, with my family, I feel like we've done it so many times that we're almost, uh, that's a good thing. Like I've always done this with my kids since they were young. I started taking them on these road trips and my wife doesn't mind it. And like I said, I always did it growing up. So I, I kept doing it with my kids and got them used to the idea of being in the car for long, long periods of time, even when they're young, real young. I mean, I can remember having babies in the car. My wife had converted like uh, these 
these power converters so she could hook up a breast <laughs> pump and like we'd be like hiding like a towel over or blanket over her so she's pumping milk so the truckers can't like watch her <laughs> down the highway <laughs> and then you know you like stored them in coolers and you're driving 10 hours somewhere so we had always been used mm -hmm. to it so the trips usually aren't that bad it's uh and and the trip down during the middle of the week was fine it was it was actually pretty nice i mean i think it took 12 and a half hours um so i was able to go pretty fast we i packed the night before i packed like food so yeah. we could eat you know and I, we were strategic about getting gas and then going to the bathroom and then getting back in the car and hunkering down to go on and we you know my wife and i would switch up driving obviously it's something that long and uh so we got down there had a nice you know quick four-day trip you know the far the whole time you're like thinking about yeah. having to get back in the car almost yeah. right but it was nice i got to go to the beach one day and then to the um pool sometime and uh but that um you know nothing nothing too crazy happened while i was there this trip but this this place that my uh in-laws live in there's always some crazy florida style drama that manages to happen uh, in this specific just condo uh building and i don't really know why it's just something that happens there it's so funny and it, it can be wild at times there was one guy who owned a one of the condos and it was like right by the elevator on the on the second floor and so the window would always be open and uh one day when i was there i had pulled in and and i had unpacked after driving and i was out there you know checking out the car maybe the next day after just looking to make sure everything's okay and somebody from that condo unit's yelling at me hey you got any money and I'm like, what is, wait, what? And then they say, hey, if you got, and then they say, change this. Hey, if you got a cell phone I can borrow? And I was like, uh, no. And it was kind of a, it was a kid, like probably teenager. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of sketchy. Uh, and so I just got in the car, parked it, and went back upstairs laughing about it with my family, saying, oh, what the heck's going on down here? And well, what had happened is, is this guy, he uh who owned the unit he had like found this woman through through th therapy like some kind of therapy i don't know whether it was like alcoholic anonymous or something and he just like invited her over to like stay a couple nights with him cuz he was going to hopefully be romantically involved mm -hmm. with her and she literally like moved in with like four other people moved them in and started squatting in this place. And then just basically would let him come because he would open the door and he was such a pushover that he would like not do anything. They would like, they like stole his stuff and would sell it at the pawn shop. And he'd just go down there and like pawn it out and like hide it in a storage facility. And like, I mean, this was going on for weeks. And what would happen is, is these people throw wild parties and, and like the cops would get called out there all the time. And then they would never answer the door because they were experts at dodging this stuff. So, um, yeah, th the funnier thing too, was the only time I ever saw the actual lady, she had come down there and I mean, I don't want to be rude, but you know, this is your typical Florida 
<laughs> Florida, you know, person that, that is. <laughs> anyway, she comes out and she has keys to his mailbox. That's the only time I ever see her is when she will walk in and out of the house occasionally once a day and grab the mail from the community mail thing. And I swear, Liz, she pulls out a key ring with like 500 keys on it to God knows what. How many keys she's got. And she's just sitting there, snows it opens. And I was like, holy crap, man. She's been like running this game. Yeah, what is she doing getting mail? What the fuck? She's setting up all out. Yeah. That's it. So like they moved in, get mail, and like they slowly got to the point where this guy had to call the cops to try to get him out, but he had to go through the whole like getting her removed process. And I think what finally happened is he went in there one time and she hit him. Okay. She physically yeah. hit him. And he was able to call the cops and get to get them to arrest her. And when they did, he threw everybody else out and changed the locks. And then the whole condo actually made him sell the unit. Like, yeah, okay. So it was a like all the condo association was like, this so which is a dude mess. Was it was asking it was you crazy. for the phone. The, it was just some just rando rando okay. that was like staying in the party yeah, house okay. <laughs> that was like woken up the next morning. Smoking a cigarette after partying all night. And how so, do you know this? Is just this is this condo knowledge, condo gossip? How do you know what this Oh yeah, condo <laughs> gossip. Because half the people in there are just old people. This is not so this is the thing. This little condo, it's um the reason people want it is because you're not allowed to short term okay. rent it. Mm-hmm. Okay? So you own it and you cannot like rent it as a vacation spot. It's against the rules. You can only rent it long term lease of a year. Okay. And then, so there's there's quite a few, there's not quite a few, there's probably like f- five to ten or less renters in the units. All the rest of it are people who live there that are retired or they um, own it like my in-laws do and vacation mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And other, other times remains empty pretty much when they're not there. So the majority of those people are talking in like the board meetings. They all see each other. They have to pay maintenance fees on these buildings because they're in Florida and they get bombarded with storms. Mm. And so they're always arguing about how much it costs to mow the grass and re tile the uh, swimming pool. And you know, all this kind of stuff that they're always in talking with this stuff. And so, yeah, that's what I said. Like my in-laws are, are hip to the drama. So, um, (laughs) This last trip, though, it seemed pretty normal. There were some new uh, retirees, okay. I like to well, call them, that have moved nice in the building. And most of the other people, though, there have been there for a long time, uh, quite a few of them. And so some of them you say hi to, some of them you say hi to, and they say hi back. Other ones you say hi to, and they look at you like they want to kill you. But it's it's an interesting mix of folks. You try to still be f- friendly. Uh, but... Long story short, after all that, nothing dramatic happened on my trip this time. But we went home, and then the next day, my wife's like, oh, my goodness, did you hear what? You won't believe what happened. My mom just called me. And so the new, some of the, the newer residents that are there are, um, you know, an, an, a couple. They were real nice to me, really friendly from New York, probably in their 70s. And... Um, he's, he's moved in there. He remodeled this, uh, uh, condo. It looks great. They're staying there. So he's gotten onto the board, I think, or like the board of direct, sure. you know, the condo yeah. association mm-hmm. board. And 
there was an argument a couple of months back about a light. And so if you go around a condo, there's lights on the outside sure. of it, right? That come on Pretty at normal. night. Yeah. Like, so people mm-hmm. don't trip. Well, this guy, there's one guy on the second floor and he's the grumpiest motherfucker in the mm-hmm. building. Like, uh, Unfortunately, my father-in-law shares a storage building right next to his storage, and he's always hanging out in his storage. And like every time, it doesn't matter what I'm doing, I go over there and I go into my into my in-law storage to get like basketballs for the kids or something. He'll be down there, and I'm like, I'm like standing like two feet from him, like, hey, and he just like, mm, mm, you know, just like scowls at me, like, don't you? And every time, I'm like, do I go say hey to him this time <laughs> or just check it out? Because like I don't know what. Anyway, he's an ex-police officer from Chicago, like a detective, like. See the weirdest stuff. The only time I ever saw him get excited and talk a lot was when the cops kept showing up for what I was just telling you about the party mm-hmm. people. When the, when they finally got in that fight, and uh, I saw him go down and talk to the cops for for a yeah, long time, okay. like have conversations. I was oh, so he's no, this is no cop buddy buddy thing that he will talk to them. So that's the only time I was laughing. I saw him talk a lot. Well, anyway, uh, you know, kind of sad. His wife got sick and passed away within the last two years. And so um, she used to always complain about the light outside their unit. So he would go out there and actually like just take the light bulb out of the fixture. And finally they had a meeting and it was like something to do with like the insurance, Mm -hmm. like serious stuff, right? They're like, no, you have to have all these light bulbs in all the time. And so the old man, he's like, who doesn't like the light bulb, he's he's not on the board, but he's been around there long, and he's like, he keeps messing with the light bulb, and they're like, look, you, the board's like, who's going to tell him? So I guess this other guy who's from New York's like, I'll tell him. I'll fucking tell him. He's like, like, you, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll fucking tell him. I'll tell him right now. <laughs> and then so he apparently went and confronted him. He's like, you cannot do this with the light bulb. You got to keep the light bulb in. It probably cussed him like you know i don't know what he's saying you know, who knows i wasn't there i just like this is all drama i get third party right from from <laughs> granny squad you know so they drink some wine and start talking about this stuff and i just try to listen and laugh um so they have a big fuss back and forth about this light fixture so what happens is instead of the the guy who owns the unit just letting the thing go and putting the light fixture in he actually goes out and like physically breaks the light fixture and then like admitted to breaking the light fixture so now there's like this little bit of mess with this stuff and i don't know what happened but i imagine the other guy who talked to him before wasn't very happy and must have said something to him because what had happened is is the day after my wife and i got back from our trip apparently the guy who busted his light and didn't like it from Chicago, the grumpy guy, he saw this other guy from New York in the parking lot. And um, this area, you're not like doing anything without somebody nosy watching. Mm-hmm. Like you can look around and just see people watching you. And they like can hear you because like the sound travels around water much easier. It's like you can hear people whispering almost sometimes. And so... Uh, that's the only reason we know all this is because somebody else in another <laughs> unit witnessed it and spread this drama, right? So anyway, he goes out and he goes, hey, the guy who never says anything, I I don't forget what you said about me. And he's like, and I'm sure the other guy's like, yeah, well, F you, you know, say something now. 
And and so what happened was is the guy who started it, the guy who broke his light, ran up and actually swung cop, a fist at this guy. The ex-cop swings at the dude. Swings and fists at the dude. And the dude, like, according to the lady, beat the shit out of <laughs> the ex-cop. Like, beat him till he's on the ground, and then he crawled into his truck and supposedly drove himself to the hospital. And that's the end. Like, no one knows what's happened to him since. He hasn't come back since the hospital. Hey, do not mess with New and York. the cops, well, the cops came there, and this is so funny, like, because the cops came there and, and I guess questioned him, and I was like, look, I was talking to my wife about it. I was like, of course they're not going to arrest the other guy because the guy who got his ass kicked, he, he, there's a witness who says he started it. And, like, he's not probably going to go and admit that or, like, tell a lie to the cops, you know, to get out of it. I'm sure if he started it, he's really willing to, go through with taking the beating and not pressing charges against him. So <laughs> that's what happens. This guy apparently beat the hell out of him. And, and, and now he's got way more street cred yeah. now in the condo. But that, that's the funniest part is when this guy first moved in, one of the only renters was a young guy. And I'm going to say young. I mean, he's in our age, mid thirties. He was uh, he had a girlfriend, but he had like a job where he traveled and just rented there. And he liked to have a boat on the water. Well, when the guy from New York bought the unit next to him, they got into big fights all the time. And like, I mean, the guy would come out dog cussing him, calling him, you know, hey, get the hell out of here. I'm going to beat your ass. <laughs> like this was the old man who's like yeah, 70, yeah. like and like got a big belly. I mean, he's not like intimidating. That's what I was laughing with Andrea. I was like. My wife, I was riding home before we even heard this happen. And they were like, uh, my mom I was like, yeah, so you know that the guy who used to live in his store and who used to always get into fights with him after he moved, he still keeps his boat at the boat dock that he rents. Like he rents the boat dock okay. separately. And someone else, one of his buddies instead took over the lease next door. Who's really nice, really cool. But another young guy, single same kind of job thing, travels a lot, tech business. And uh, he, so he's in there now, but he lets his buddy come back. So sometimes the guy comes back on his boat and the old guy from New York is like, what the hell are you doing here? You better get your ass out of here. And that's a terrible <laughs> New York accent for me. But still, like they'll get into it on the boat dock. And I'm laughing my wife. I'm like, this is hilarious. Who's afraid of this old man? I was like, why? How would you ever be afraid of this old guy? I was like, I would just laugh at him if he came and talked shit to me. And then he got, then my wife told me the story about it, beat this, ass, this other guy's ass. And I was like, all right, I was completely wrong. He got some street cred now. And I don't know what to say. <laughs> this old dude, like he swung and sorry, you're out. And he just beats him to a pulp. Yeah. So we don't have an update. Yeah. So don't start don't something start. unless you're ready to. Clearly was not able to uh, finish it ready to finish it no 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 this was i mean this all went down like two days ago is when this would have happened so i don't know anything beyond what i've talked to you so far i've, I've really been intrigued by it probably too much where i just want to like call uh my mother-in-law and have her tell the story with her southern accent that she wouldn't even believe lewis <laughs> so it's uh like I said, always an adventure. The trip home, that was a real challenge. It We hit a bunch of traffic, and it took over 15 hours. Ow. The ride back, I got home at 1230 at night. We had started 930 that morning. 
I got home at 1230 that night because everybody had to be back to work. And uh, Florida stories. It's just too much sunshine. And look, because all we hear internationally is how crazy that governor guy is. And everyone's nuts down there. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, it's so Florida is such a funny place because you go to it. And I can tell you this by driving all the way across it. There is nothing but open spaces. And, of course, nobody wants to live really in the center of Florida because it's nothing but just super hot, no mm-hmm. beach, super hot, super humid. And then everybody fights for the beachside communities yeah. and outside of that. And that's really like there's so much open space. We drove straight through the center of it, and it's just – farm fields of cows <laughs> so and there's plenty of land for sale right. i'm laughing i'm like they're always telling me there's not enough space around here and i'm like well <laughs> if they built something in the desert then they could build it out here i did notice in florida they had popped up all kinds of new like um infrastructure stuff like that's not fun infrastructure like new toll booths and things <laughs> So I'm going to get some new tolls by uh, mail. Yeah, okay, if you don't have the, the thing. That so, now, yeah. yeah. No. So that's how it does now. You can't even pay them. But all in all, fun trip. The most f- exciting, funny part was, of course, I, the Melrose Place While you were telling fight. that story, I realized I did have a story to tell. Also about people arguing with one another. All right, here's my one. Last week, uh, we had an open mic in English, comedy, stand-up comedy, open mic. It's our English show. Everyone's got to do English so foreigners can come, blah, blah, blah. And I haven't been to a lot of them recently, so there's a young guy who's only done a few of the English mics, and he's Ukrainian, this young guy from the Ukraine. And I don't know, he got a couple of gigs, like our, how to say, our friends had put him on the show, so he wasn't, like, completely terrible or whatever. Like, he had some potential, possibly. And I didn't really get to talk to him beforehand. Anyway, he goes, he's got dark stuff. He's got dark material. And he starts launching yeah. into, there's probably about 10 people in this bar, I want to say. Not a lot. Not a big kind of thing. And he launches into this whole thing and it's dark material about the Ukraine. And he goes into all this stuff like, he's a coward. He doesn't want to be in Ukraine. He was already left Ukraine before the war. And he's like, I don't want to die. I don't want to fight. I don't want to go back. I can't do it. And really dark stuff. And and it's sort of in that new phase where that new comedian, um, how to say, there's a lot of new comedians who think they're Bill Hicks, right? Or think they're uh, George Carlin. And they come out with all the social commentary and they say, I'm saying the real things. Well, yeah, you're not Bill Hicks, though. You're not George Carlin. You're just a new comedian talking about <laughs> terrible topics. The 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 rule the the golden rule of stand up is the harder the topic the more intense the topic the better your joke has to be yes you can talk about i don't know if i killing people in ukraine sure but dang you better have a good joke dang you better and if anyone knows the 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 netflix comedian hannah gatsby hannah gatsby makes her whole routine is basically out of building tension and then she's got an excellent punchline to deflate it and then she says all this other crazy stuff builds tension and then has an excellent punchline it deflates the tension and her act is like this so you could use tension and that but if you know how to deflate it correctly and you know what you're doing 
But when you're a young comedian, I guarantee you don't know what you're doing. I guarantee you've got no idea. So, and But the thing is that also, particularly in Estonia, where we are, we're all very much rah-rah Ukraine, Slava Ukraina. Everybody wants to help. Of course. Of course we're all that. We've got a lot of Ukrainian refugees here. Um, we're obviously very anti-Russian, pro-Ukrainian. And, you know, there's a little bit of a thing in society. We're all trying to do our outdo ourselves. Who's more pro-Ukraine? Who's more pro-helping them? And this is a positive thing. Don't get me wrong. But then we're on stage watching this young Ukrainian guy say anti-Ukrainian things, say really fucked up stuff, and we don't know what to do with it because it's a Ukraine guy saying about it. And we don't know where to go with this. And mostly I let comedians do their thing. I'm not going to pull him off stage. Not yet. I mean, it's terrible, but it's not... I don't know. He hasn't yelled Hail Hitler or something yet. So I'm like, okay, he can... (laughs) finish off what he's doing really dark stuff and then a woman from the crowd speaks up and there's not many people there so i was trying to set this scene so everyone can see everybody (laughs) this woman so is it just like quiet the whole time like with people getting like seething looks on so there's a little bit of like nervous laughter because we're still like we still expect this to be a comedy show like they're a punchline coming. Some, like you're still waiting and hoping for this big punchline. Some punch expectation like, that this is going to somewhere, balance it right? out. Uh, now, so this woman <laughs> speaks up and she's not happy. And you can hear from the tone of her voice, she's very upset. And she's about, she's going to push back on this guy. And then we very quickly find out she's also Ukrainian. And then they start yeah. having this friggin' argument with each other. He's on the stage still. She's in the back of this very <laughs> small room. And there's two Ukrainians arguing with each other. And none of us know what to do in this situation. Are they speaking no, in Ukrainian? No, they're doing it in English, which is a whole other... Because oh. it's the English night. Whole other added weirdness to this factor that two <laughs> Ukrainians are arguing <laughs> English. Because if someone else had said that, some even Estonian, Australian, whoever, had said those things, that's obviously racist, obviously that. And his stuff wasn't... He wasn't saying good things, don't get me wrong. But... He's Ukrainian. I Am I supposed to tell him he can't say that stuff about his own country? So they start going at each other. None of us know what to do. Someone gets me from the backstage. And they're like, Lewis, you got to come and see this right now. And so I'm, there, I'm eating my food. And I, I don't know what to do. I start, I don't know. I start almost like chuckling along at some... Look, I know what I'm doing. I want to say like I, I added it in things, but... We need some tension release. And I have some tricks as the promoter that I can subtly use to help relieve tension in the room. And so these two go at it. The host is shitting his pants. The host is this Indian dude. <laughs> I do not. These fucking uh, Ukrainians, they go. I do not know. He doesn't. Vivek doesn't know what the fuck to do with one another. That's the only thing. Yeah, and I'm watching him. Is. He's freaking out. How do you follow on from that? How do you keep going with such tension in the room? So then eventually the Ukrainian lady doesn't speak anymore. And then, and I I guess to to something to back up this young man, I I spoke to him after the show and I just wanted to hear his thoughts. I only understood later that he's a fair bit autistic. Now, whether that excuses things or not, but at least provides some background information on why this young guy would say such things. So... You know, he is obviously so autistic. He still continues on with his material after he's just argued with the woman. Keeps on going because he doesn't know 
what to do. And this is where as the promoter, I'm like, do I tell him to get off stage out of sympathy for him? Because I'm like, you need an out, buddy. You need a, an exit plan from this stage. Well, yeah. Like if you're not, if part of, if you don't, I mean, like you say, it's one thing if you're del- if you're telling jokes or even if you're delivering up to a punchline and you get you because you've all seen things where people will say something uh, funny and technically not maybe politically mm. correct where it's got either the joke or the joke comes out of the banter between even the people. And that's always been like, you know, comedy for years. You might get into banter with somebody. But then, like you say, if the joke never comes and you keep going and you keep and it and like you say if somebody's saying some stuff and there's no joke punchline that's actually coming and it just keeps getting worse mm-hmm. so i tried to so yeah when i mean there's always like it doesn't matter if you still like if it's bad material right you gotta kind of pull people off if it starts getting that bad of a reaction from the crowd Abs- so yeah i i I'm I'm assessing the situation. What do I do? I pull him off and make a bigger scene. He's made a pretty fucking bigger scene already. <laughs> if you'll just end, we can calm and if you'll just get off, buddy. No one needs to cause a drama. So I'm sort of sitting there eating my food. And everyone knows who I am. I'm the promoter. Everyone knows I'm sitting there with this smile on my face trying to think how I'm going to fucking help the host save this. Uh, yeah, it wasn't too long. Then he went on. The host went back up. And it was a moment where there was so much tension that no matter what the host did and just sort of acknowledged it, that was the release that we needed. So things can get so bad that it gets easier for the host because everyone's basically just happy that that's finished. So anything the host does after that is okay. And I was very thankful that the (laughs) next comedian up was a very experienced comedian. His name is Alexander Popov. He's great. He's a he's a serial killer of comedy. He can just get up there and deliver. And he did jokes about the Constitution, and it was funny. So this is where, you know, we're going to a different level of that. Um, actually, there's a premise. I'll talk to you about this premise. I, I was talking with my friend Popov about this after the show because he's got this premise that's really good, and maybe you'll understand. In America, you guys argue all the time about what did the founding fathers want? What's in our, our constitution and our founding <laughs> fathers? What would have their, their direction for the country? They're held up as these sort of very much mythical creatures. Who knows what they would have said and the way they wanted the nation to be, right? And we hear that all the time out of Americans. But in Estonia, the people, like three of the seven people that wrote the constitution are still alive you can go and talk to them like we can go and talk to the founding fathers oh oh you- they're not some <laughs> mythical creatures from 200 years ago they're real people yeah. that are still around You're like yeah. what did you mean by that bit of the constitution and you'd be like well i meant this and there's no arguing about what jefferson meant back or then or something like that so i think that's a very funny premise that my friend alexander should plow like we're not guessing about what Washington thought. We know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no, it's, it, I'm actually, I'm really close to a lot of that, like, um, stuff here in Virginia. Cause that's where like a lot of this was, uh, there's a lot of the, you know, there's the original colony is Virginia. So there's still like, you could go on trips around the state and find mm-hmm. old, uh, old things like this. There's a lot of town stuff here that's really like predates America. There's a cemetery in uh, right outside my kids, my son's mm. middle school, 
and uh, it has a date of like founded in like 1743. Dang, that's cool. So they were burying people there 30 years before the war with Britain. It's so history. It's, was, uh, there, was it, was it, yeah, a, site, it's was it a civil war stuff? Did you have a lot of civil wars? Yo, there's all kinds of civil war stuff around here. And uh, there's tons of that history around this town. Tons of forts, tons of things. Um, all up across this area and up into like the northeast from here, there's a lot of things. And um, it's, you, yeah, you don't really, there's no, that's, people now will have made entire careers out of arguing the points of men that they have no idea what they really meant, right? There's a, and they've already died. The people who've gone through and like written books that they've, you know, that's, that's all they did was study one founding father for a career. So yeah, it gets so uh, <laughs> just changed and diluted. You don't know, but it'd be so interesting. Uh, to go back and go, I mean, bare arms, really, you're going to have to define well, this one for us. Help us out here. Right. Well, you know, <laughs> they don't want, uh, it's interesting. What's the society goes on. Cause the talk more in, you know, in America still, there's this, um, I don't know what like the outsider thinks of, but America from internally feels like a, like a pressure, a powder keg. Uh, when you live in here, it's like a powder keg and it almost feels like you're waiting for it to just implode. You just don't know what's going to be the implosion. It's like right now there's banks crashing, but at the same time, the banks are federally insured to cover your money up to $250,000. So like, even if your bank crashes, there's like no chance that majority of people are going to lose a lot of money unless they have a lot, lot of money in cash in certain accounts for certain reasons. So, um, you know, you're waiting cause uh, you know, I mean, not to be rude, but it's just like anything. The vast majority of the public is not, is more following things where they're not going to, they're going to be moved by this stuff more freely than, um, you know, it go one extreme to the next. And in a, so in America, you're like, Oh my goodness, what's going to happen next? Is it going to be that? Is it like, there's a train derailment. It's in, and then the news just goes and talks about it. And it's just high pressure situation. And you're always like waiting to have a heart attack. I feel like if you're following it, do you think, do you think you're witnessing the end of, the republic like do you oh that's think, the thing like, right that, motion, that's the but, yeah. yeah right so that's the feeling are we witnessing kind of the decline of the mm. u.s as opposed to what was what was really was it what did it feel like internally towards the end of rome's height you know as a as a global commerce yeah. leader and because i think there should be you know there's a lot more i, I don't know I feel like there were a lot of things throughout my lifetime that felt like really tumult, like a lot of turmoil, but I feel like now it seems like there's, whether it's true or not, it just feels like the turmoil has been heated up, but, but see, to, to, to throw it on the flip side of that, I couldn't imagine what it would have felt like a hundred years ago in America where literally everybody that would have been my age and like younger was so uh, like, was like patriotically driven 
to go and, and fight in the world war, right? And be willing to sacrifice everything on the ideals of just America or whatever, right? I mean, it's like, and how much was actually going on then? Millions were dying from actual ground warfare. So thankfully, I don't feel like we're actually at the point where, um, how could things really be worse than that? It doesn't feel like that to me right now. I felt like, you know I what I mean? Like a hundred years ago, it probably would have felt like, wow, America is really in trouble. I think also reflected that maybe different, I'm really speculating here, different demographics in America, let's say 50s, 60s, civil rights movement, maybe people in that Absolutely. demographic were like, everything's coming to an end. You know, it's all about our perspective. Yeah. It's all now all of a sudden us white people are like, oh, the end is coming. Yeah. And then everybody else is like, yes, we've been telling well, you. And, and the end is coming, right. The end is coming for... I mean, every society has to change and evolve. You can't, I mean, unless you try to just do the thing where every, where it occasionally happens, just lock down the country and it just try to maintain some, um, whatever nostalgia, we're laughing like nostalgia, right? So maintain a nostalgia for a certain set of people in the country. And, uh, and, and like, a lot of people probably don't realize who are in the group that's receiving all the good parts of the nostalgia mm -hmm. is that's been coming off the backs of other people too, right? That have been undermined due to that sure. setup. So that's like, that that's the good part about like America is that I hope that we're beyond the point where we would ever be like driven to just, everybody going out to war and like shooting each other in like uh, a, a you know fields of whatever like what was done in the civil war i mean there's a situation where you had literally two sides fighting within the same country and it still happens today you'll have civil wars in parts of the world and it's never um i don't even know how the hell Lewis, <laughs> we end up on these weird political conversations i'm not even like i i don't try to that's one thing i don't try to like give away too much because i don't I mean, the only thing I'll admit is I don't like I would never pledge allegiance to one side of like a uh, a political okay. situation. No. You know what I mean? And I because I just feel like personally, even in my lifetime, things there's just, you know, there's always something. And I couldn't just say, well, you know, I will just forget everything I saw about this and, and like, again, stay true to one side of politics and like, again, swear to that side only um so i've always just tried to try to steer through the middle and see what's actually good and going on well let's so, hope in the united states of freedom this. you can live your life do your thing yeah. try to have not too much oversight so and not yeah and not um yeah and i think there is a lot of i mean there's obviously a lot of turmoil and things not good happening and i think the two you know it's just it's just product of What's going on? The tension over in Ukraine's part of it. Inflation worries for people is part of it. And it's just, you know, I, I was thankful for one thing that like, I don't know about like nationally, but they actually came and said that like, um, it's taken three years of data, but the local hospital group here is, has came out and said that like our COVID numbers have been substantially down, right? 
And so that's really good news. Like, but I feel like I almost have to go out of my way to hear that. Like something good ha- is happening. Okay. Right. As opposed to tension, tension kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it can, it can be exhausting. And then like you say, if you're trying to go out and I couldn't even imagine being like an immigrant <laughs> trying to go out. And of course this one guy has one. I, I mean, you know, comedians, they have one idea and they sure, think they're boy yeah, lady. They're they're doing something good and they might be trying out new material, but I, I just couldn't imagine. What about the guy you said who's the pro? Like, was he watching the act two get ready to go on stage yeah, after yeah, him? Yeah, and he was like he was warmed up. He's like, Oh, don't worry, I got it covered. Or did he have like a nervous look like he's oh, all right. So gonna my, my friend Alexander, he is excellent in these circumstances. He's He's just really, really all-rounder guy. So he's a stand-up comedian, but he's a law professor uh, as well uh, as doing okay. this. Um, he was running in the local elections. He's a um, yeah, like uh, yeah, law professor. So trained in law and teaches at the university. So this dude is an amazing presenter, and he's this big dude. He's also well known for being one of the most well-known bouncers, uh, a law professor, and he's known as one of the most well-known bouncers in in Thailand. And this dude's big, so he. And he's, he gets up there and he's got like his vest on, like he's a professor, but he's big. And uh, yeah, he just delivers. I've never seen someone so good at just getting up there and blasting away. And usually, usually when I see comedians in a difficult circumstance, like you say, I can see the fear in their eyes. They're doing their thing, but I can see. With this guy, cannot see. There's nothing going on here. He's so it's just pure sheer coincidence that the perfect guy who has the experience to know how to do it could carry on the show was saved and well i don't know what happened to that lady look that lady had legitimate rights that guy was saying some crazy stuff but again no one wants to step in dare i criticize the ukrainian guy whoa that's also something it's like hard right yeah you can't really like like you said there's always going to be a fine and then especially if you think about it that here in america too that's like one of the founding things was the right to free speech but it's like where do you draw that line and then like how does it and then you feel like sometimes man how did i get myself into the position where i'm the one determining this line and and when it's crossed and now i have to be the one going and basically putting my own self on the line by being the one to do something about it i gotta do that as the promoter so i have to remember when it comes to free speech if i take somebody off that stage i believe that's not impeding their free speech because you are welcome to do that wherever you want you can walk right outside of the venue onto the street project no one's stopping you doing that that there's in this show i need to my reputation my brand everyone knows that is you know on the line there a little bit even though everybody knows it's an open mic uh so the free speech thing i'm not super worried i'm not telling you you can't say it because my final and i spoke to the guy afterwards and i want to sort of give him some theory of comedy i didn't get upset i just want to be like you know here's uh, you gotta be funny before you say all that stuff funny first then because at the end that's my final point was him at the end of the day dude this is a comedy show this is not the big poetry. This is not the place for you know the speaking box for all necessary things. At the end of the day, this is a comedy show. And if you want to talk about that very important topic, you do still need to make it funny. <laughs> right. Yes. 
again, it's got to be it's got to be context for the event. You can't go up there, yeah, and do a a political rally speech or something again that just isn't well, you know, isn't funny. It makes it was he he is. So what anyway, are we gonna? So next that up, maybe like we a should fun have a thing. break. We I mean, have a break. The okay. old guy, yeah, the old guy. I, that's what I was kind of upset about at the end of the day with the two guys who fought. I was like, man, these guys have lived their whole lives. What's, what, how much tension do they have built up where they, where one of them just doesn't step back and go, oh, yeah, all right, okay. you're seventy, you're still easy. beating the crap. And that's what makes me because. Cause I'm like, man, what if my father-in-law? He's seventy. What if he like goes out there and gets into it next? It's that with New Yorker spirit. Imagine that seventy-year-old New Yorker lived there his the whole Tennessee life. Tennessee guy versus shit, New York right? guy versus Chicago yeah. guy versus fucking Chicago so. guy. Yeah, comes along. I love it. But hey, Steve, we're gonna do so. We are up very soon. Going to be doing our live stream. We're recording this on Wednesday. Yes. Uh, this will go out a little later, but we're gonna have a little break now. We're gonna wrap up because we're gonna do the live stream soon. So another two hours of talking and questions and good times so we'll wrap up the podcast here. Right. steve thank you very much thank, thank you, you for listening and we're going to switch over to the retro tech channel do the live stream see you next time